You're listening to Southside Baptist Church Podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to take them and turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through verse 14. And I want to speak to you today on the subject of this one thing. In fact, let's just say that together, this one thing. Um, Because what I want you to do today is I want you to keep those words in your mind. Now, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, and let's stand in honor of God's Word, Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. But whatever was to my profit is now considered loss for the sake of who? For the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things, I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His suffering, becoming like Him in death, and somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now watch what Paul goes on to say here. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Now do you see the next words? But one thing I do. Now I'm going to take that, those words out of context in a moment because I'm going to use them perhaps in a little different way than what Paul meant them. Because Paul was talking about spiritual maturity, talking about being conformed into the image of Christ, talking about letting go of some of the stuff of the world, the things of the world, and being what God would have him to be. And so Paul said, that is the one thing that I'm concerned about is maturity and being conformed into the image of Christ. This one thing. Now let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We ask, dear Lord, that you would just use this as a time of speaking truth into our lives. We pray, dear Lord, that you would do something that could only be done by you. And that is, dear Lord, to bring conviction to every heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room. We pray, dear Lord, that you would speak to us today and remind us, dear Lord, of our responsibility within the body of believers. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want Reggie to do something. Reggie, do you have those pens? I want to, um, if Reggie would, he's going to kind of scatter these pens around. And if you've got a pen, if you'll just raise your hand and say, I've already got something to write with. I don't need that. But I want you to do this today. 
And if you've got a pen, I want you to write. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up in a home. My dad was an engineer. And anytime my dad was building or doing anything, I would see him writing on his hand. He would write dimensions. He'd write numbers. He'd write something. My dad has a big hand. He was always writing in his hand. Now, today, what I'd like for you to do is I would like for you to write down in your hand one act of service that you, on a normal basis, are, are, are carrying out. Now, look this way. Before you do it, don't go writing away. If you are involved in Sunday school, in other words, you teach Sunday school, or you're involved in Sunday school, in the nursery, the preschool, you're involved in teaching, then you would write SS. Now, if you're involved in Wednesday night in teaching little boys and little girls, you're teaching youth, you're involved in, in, in the ministries of Wednesday night, soup meal, Jerry and Marge do a tremendous job of, of our soup meal. If you're involved in some kind of activity or some kind of role of responsibility, some act of service on Wednesday night, I want you to write W-E-D, Wednesday night. Now, if you're involved in some kind of helping ministry, in other words, you uh, kind of plug into the food pantry, you plug into the clothing closet, you're plugged into some of those ministries that we're involved in, then you write H, which just means help. Okay, everybody with me so far? Now, if you haven't written anything in your hand, I want you to write in your hand a question mark. Okay? And, and what I hope to do is by the end of this, for you to have something written in your hand as to an act of service. Now, if you're with the praise team, you know, uh, yeah, you're, you, you've, got a, you've got a responsibility there. If you're a staff member, you've got some responsibility. Now, going back to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, 13 and 14, Paul says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Now, what's it? He's talking about maturity. He's talking about being complete. He's talking about being Christ-like. And so what Paul is saying, Paul's saying, everybody look this way. Paul is saying, listen, I'm not there yet. And let me tell you, none of us are. We're all in the process of being conformed into the image of Christ. But Paul says, but one thing I do. Now, what does he do? He says, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So we're talking today, we're going to pull that phrase out of the context which I usually am not comfortable doing. You know, we've been going through Genesis. We'll finish, um, we may finish by the rapture. But, um, you know, I love verse by verse. I don't like taking scripture out of context. But I'm going to take Paul, even though I took a moment to explain the context of these, of these words, I want to use that little phrase there, this one thing I do, and I want to talk to you this morning about considering one thing. Now, what I'm talking about is one act of service. Now, let me explain. It may be one act. If you've got a question mark, 
then what we would like for you to do is consider two things. Number one, either you will commit to one act of service a month. Now that's a minimum. Now you may say, well, you know, I've never taught, never done anything. I've kind of just, I just kind of come to church. Well, that's great. And we're glad that you do, but we want you to commit to minimum one act of service a month. Now let me give you an example. Alan, would you stand up? Alan is one of our deacons. Alan heads up or is a part of our Celebrate Recovery. Now, he has other men, Kevin and, and uh, his wife, Julie. He has Celia's wife, and Belle and Russell. There are other people that are plugged into that, but he's kind of the point man. So let me tell you, every Thursday when Alan gets here and this team get here, they have a couple of things that they're responsible for other than teaching people who are coming out of addictions. And that is this, they give them a meal, they provide child care in order to remove any excuse for people not to come and get help. Is that right, Alan? Now, Alan, if you had somebody who had a question mark who says, well, I'll commit to come once a month, the first Thursday night of each month, and come alongside of Alan and the team to be a floater, to do whatever you'd have me to do. If you need me to clean up after everybody gets through eating, if you want me to help with the kids, whatever you'd have me to do, I'm going to commit to that. If God puts that on your heart, then I want to encourage you to see Alan right there at the close of the service. Now, if you've got a question mark, and, you're, um, and you walk out of here with no conviction... You just simply walk out and you just say, well, that's everybody else. That's not for me. Then may your toe, big toe rot off. No, I'm teasing. Um, But may God get hold of your heart. Because the Bible says, do everything as unto the Lord. Now, there are others in this room. I would love to see some of you in this room who are just occasional volunteers to commit to one act of service every week. Just one. Some of you here, this will be a big step for you, but it will be great for the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, and for this local church. So I'm asking you by the end of this message to, do, to agree to accept one act of service, whatever that may be. Now, if you remember this, when I was talking to you about vision, when I was talking about vision, I said, if you can think about vision, think of it this way. If you want to know where this church is going, the direction that we're going in, you can pretty well look in your mind and picture in your mind a three-legged stool. Each one of those legs is what I believe are the most critical needs in the life of an inner city church. Number one, what's Alan represent? What? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Okay, you need to sound as a body of Christ like you believe in that ministry. Let me say it again. What is one leg and what does Alan represent? Celebrate recovery. recovery. And let me tell you, you may be here today and you don't see the value of this, but if you thought about it, you probably have family, friends, work associates, somebody caught up in some kind of addictive behavior where they need this ministry. It is in essence AA on a Christian slant. 
So that's one leg. That's one area of the direction of this church. We want to address in this city, in this community, addiction behavior, and we want to give them an option. The other leg is just simply help. We give sack lunches, we have food pantry, we have clothing closet, we have various ministries. Right now, in fact, I spent, I spent a couple of hours in a bell in those stack of clothes in the gym, sorting them out, separating them, getting them ready for our Thanksgiving and our Christmas meal in which at noontime Thanksgiving and noontime Christmas, we minister to the community, to the homeless, to people who have nowhere else to go. We say, listen, come here, and, and if you have some clothing needs, we're going, to, we're going to help you in that area, food pantry and these things. So that's the second leg of the stool. Because see, in the inner city, let me give you an example, and I need everybody to listen. I've been told that Metro Inn is getting ready to close. Is that not true? Is that not true? Metro Inn feels a, a need in this city and in this community. And once it closes, families and people in, that, in, in, in Metro Inn are going to be displaced. That is a critical thing. And a lot of the people that, that are in Metro Inn, they're going to need help. That's what that leg stands for. Food pantry, clothing closet, and financial assistance. We want to see this church grow and strengthen to where we can come alongside a family who says we don't have anywhere to go, we're in our vehicle, we need help. We want to be able to give the financial means to help them get on their feet and to give them financial counsel. I'm looking back at my daughter-in-law, Alicia, because Alicia knows finances. People like this who can help in the area of financial counseling and assistance. The final leg is what we call gym, G-E-M, G-E-M, meaning like a gym or a rare stone. And we said this, that in the inner city and in our community, there is a need for that acrostic. That acrostic, G, stands for G-E-D, or to graduate, because the biggest problem in the inner city is dropouts. E stands for employment. To create a GED program here at Southside, then to give graduates some employment opportunities, and the M stands for mentoring. Now you may say, if you are a member of this church, I have just explained to you as clearly as I can the vision and the direction of this church. That's it. That's it. And you may say, well, where's the gospel? The gospel is permeating every single leg of this stool. Celebrate Recovery spends a great deal of time talking about Christ and the gospel and the ability to set people free. So that's the three legs. Now there's two educational outreaches. Number one is our Bible study Sunday school. In other words, every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, we gather here and we spend time talking, discussing, and studying the Word of God. And if you're not a part of that, I want to encourage you to do that. Now, we've run into a problem real quickly. We are in need of somebody to step in and direct our children's ministry within Sunday school. 
Baal, you teach what age? What grades? Okay, Baal teaches first and second. We normally would divide first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Now, I think Irene shared with me that Janice, that you've stepped into that role of teaching the older kids. So right now, first, second, and third would be in one class. Fourth, fifth, and sixth would be in the other. I think that's how we're organized. If we had another worker, then it would be first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Let me tell you what a teacher in the children's department does. They take, the, they take the Sunday school role, they look down at those names, they see if they can get the biographical information. In other words, they want to know where this child lives, who this child's parents are, and they want to know as much as they can about this child. Then they take that Sunday school role, they go out into the community, they go into that home, and they begin to find that child, build a relationship, not only with that child, but with their parents. Beyond that, evangelistically, if they're teaching first and second grade, they're also evangelistically looking for other children that may fit in their Sunday school class. That's what we do. It's Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And our needs are in the area of children. Even though Janice has stepped into this role, we need more because what I would like to see us do is to create a team of volunteers, floaters, that will give the people who agree to teach an opportunity to occasionally be able to attend class. Wednesday night activity. Let me tell you what happens on Wednesday night. On Wednesday night at 5.30, we're serving a, a, a soup and cornbread, iced tea. Marge and Jerry get here early. They get this meal prepared. Our soups, uh, I feel like I'm at the Italian, uh, I feel like I'm at the Olive Garden. Zuppa Descana. They're very good at what they do. And, and so when we come on Wednesday night, we gather with other people. Now let me tell you something. I was excited this past Wednesday night because I saw a, an unusual number of kids. In fact, I came by and Ledge and, and Eric were locked in, over, I, I, I don't know if they were holding them hostage, but they were in there with a group of boys, and it was loud and noisy, and I'm going to tell you what, when they opened that door, it stunk. Man, it smelled. And I, I looked at Eric and said, man, what is the deal? Eric said, well, we just got a bunch of farting little boys. So here you have, here you have, on, on Wednesday night, this church trying to feed a soup meal and then to provide some Bible study. Now, what are we doing? On Wednesday nights, adults are in here, Reggie with a team of Tamara and Marika and, and Richard and, and other volunteers. They're taking the youth. People are teaching children, preschool and, and nursery. These are the two educational outreaches of this church. And so if you've got a question mark, the question mark is, God, where do you want me to serve? What act of service can I carry out once a month or once a week? You know, Paul said, in fact, take a, take a left from Philippians and go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want you to see what Paul said here. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about, in verses 12 through 27, he talks about the church. Now, he's talking to a church that is at Corinth. This church is a problem church. Man, listen, they've got drunkenness at the Lord's Supper. 
In fact, Reggie, a few weeks ago, walked you through the Lord's Supper. Listen to that message. Tremendous message. I think I listened to it twice. And Reggie talked about how Paul was counseling this church not to get drunk at the Lord's Supper. That's a pretty bad church, isn't it? They not only had drunkenness, they had incest. They had incestuous relationship. Uh, and, and, and this church had a lot of problems. But one of the problems of this church was is that people were not committed and they were not serving. An idle mind is what? Is the devil's workshop. You see, every one of us, if you're sitting there with a question mark in your hand right now, you need to be involved in some area of ministry, if nothing else, to keep you busy. Young people, that means you too. College student, that means you too. IMB, let me tell you about the International Mission Board. When Sheila and I went to the IMB and said we felt a call on our life to do missions, you know what the first thing they ask us? What are you doing right now where you are? So you see, it's important that every one of us be plugged in. So Paul here in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says the body is what? What is the body? What does the NIV there say? The Bible, the body is, in the NIV it says a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew, Greek, slave, free, we're all given one spirit to drink. Now what Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, and what he wanted them to understand, is that the body of Christ is exactly that. We as a congregation, we are a body of believers. We're all part of the body of Christ. Now what Paul will go on to say is this. In fact, let's read on a little bit farther. Verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of what? But of many. If the foot should say, because I... Now Paul would use sarcasm here. Imagine your body's in a conversation where your foot wakes up and taps and says, Hey, hey buddy. Your toe's tapping you on the chest. Wake up. You wake up and your foot's sitting there looking at you. Say, hey, I feel like I'm getting some bad treatment here. I'm the main man. So Paul says here, he uses sarcasm. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for the for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. What Paul is saying to the church, he's saying, listen, to every one of us, he's saying, listen, your body, your eye, is for seeing. Your ear is for hearing. Your hand is for holding. Your leg is for walking. And they're all important to your body. Have you ever had your leg fall asleep in the night? I don't know about most people, but that is scary. You wake up and you scream, there's a dead man in the bed with me. Only to realize the dead man is your leg. And, and, and I don't know about you, but you instinctively now are trying to get up because then you realize that this thing is just a lifeless, limpless, bloodless 
uh, extremity that's just hanging there. So now you're up and you're trying to walk around. Usually I'm screaming, Sheila, get up! I can't feel my leg! Now, let me tell you one thing. I know when this leg is asleep, the other leg is trying to wake it up. In fact, I've got a problem in my body to where the rest of the body now is greatly concerned over the leg. In fact, my ear doesn't go, well, serves him right. You know, in other words, what Paul was saying was that Paul was saying, listen, the problem at Corinth and the problem at any church is when you and I begin not to serve in some capacity, whatever that may be. And Paul was saying, imagine your body. He uses the example of the eye. He said, imagine if your whole, imagine if your whole body were an eye. What if an eyeball walked into this, rolled into this sanctuary right now? You and I would run screaming, running out of the building. In other words, we recognize that the body is made up of all different kinds of members. And you know what Paul was saying? He was saying, listen, every one of them are important. Let me ask you something. Is your little toe important? How do you know? That's right. You ever, walk, you ever walked around the bed in a hurry getting ready in the morning and you caught your toe on the bed frame? That is some of the worst pain of all. Now, I don't know about you, but when that happens to me, the rest of my body is going, ah! <laughs> That'll serve you. And my little toe's not going, hey, eyeball, where were you? You on vacation? Let me tell you, when I stomp my toe, though it is a small, insignificant member, immediately that pain causes my entire body to come around it. I'm now hopping around the bedroom, cradling my little toe in my hands. My eyes are looking to it to assess the damage. My brain is trying to figure out how we can alleviate the pain. Let me say to this, every single one of you in this room, and some of you have been members for years, it is time to serve. Just like every part and member of your body needs to find, needs to be needed and is all a part of your body. Now listen, I got my gallbladder out. I would never do that again for nothing. I wish they'd have left my gallbladder in there. It caused more problems than it solved. But I didn't go up one day and go, you know, Dr. Fleming, my doctor, I've been thinking about getting my gallbladder out. I just thought I'd get it out. Let me tell you something. I want to keep every part of my body as long as I can. And if you're going to take any part of it out of me, You better give me a good reason why you're doing it. You see, what Paul was saying to this church is, he was saying that every part of this church is important. And let me tell you what I'm saying to you today. Every single person in this room is important. I don't care what capacity. You can go down to the gym. You can say to Belle, Belle, what day do you need me up here? And I'll tell you what, Belle, I'll come help you sort clothes. And that may be all you do. 
But let me tell you something. When you come at Thanksgiving and Christmas and you watch people, some of them coming out from under bridges who, can, who constantly lose the clothing on their back. You know what the biggest problem among the homeless is? Keeping their valuables. Because you know what happens? They get robbed, they get beaten up, and their stuff is constantly stolen. And sometimes what you and I consider to be second-hand clothes, they're rejoicing over. And it may be that you say, Bill, I can't do a lot, but I tell you what I'll do. Over the next few weeks, I'll help you get the clothing closet organized. Food pantry. Go around here and look at the food pantry, people. You come up and tell all the people who come to the door and need food that we don't have any food. You come up here and do it. You volunteer to stay up here sometime. Some of you people have businesses. Some of you people in the corporate world. Some of you in this room are in schools where the truth of the matter is you could take a box, walk up to the teacher and say, listen, would you mind if I collected food during the holidays for our food pantry because we're in the inner city and we need some help. Some of you have friends and people in some churches that you could approach them and say, listen, would you mind putting this in the foyer of your church to help us get... Listen, I'm going to tell you what, folks. i tell you what I do. I enlist anybody I can to come and be a part and plug in. What act of service is God putting on your heart? Let me tell you about judgment. When I was hungry, you fed me not. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me the drink. When I was a stranger, you didn't take me in. Lord, when were you like that? When you did it under the least of these, my brethren, or you did not do it under the least of these, my brethren, you did not do it unto me. Depart from me, I never knew you. The believer that is not involved in acts of service and ministry in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ probably has a love problem when it comes to the Lord. Sheila and I went to Brooklyn Tabernacle. Never forget it. We got there early. We were up there near the front, had an opportunity to uh, talk to Jim Cimbala. He said he knew about this church. I thought that was strange. But when we got through, unbelievable, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir were unbelievable that day. Jim Cimbala, uh, a message spot on. We walked through this facility that was alive and thriving with commitment and people that were serving. And Sheila came out. We got on the subway and Sheila looked at me and she said, well, I've, I've seen it all. I said, what do you mean? She said there were a group of sweet little predominantly African-American women. She said they had these little outfits on and she said they were volunteers at Brooklyn Tab and when one service was over, they were in there checking the toilet paper and the paper towels and cleaning the bathroom, getting ready for the next service before it started. Wow. And we wonder why Brooklyn Tabernacle is the church that it is. Let me tell you what makes a great church. People who are willing to write in their hand, I'll do this. And let me tell you, God, you know what he did? He wrote in your hand an act of service. And he went to the cross. I tell you what's killing us, uncommitment and a lack of a servant heart. That's what's killing. And if you're here today, you're here by divine appointment. So it may be today that you say, hey, listen, I, I'm willing to serve. I wrote this down. There are no cheerleaders in the kingdom of God. 
We don't need no cheerleaders. You need these cheerleaders down there in the youth department. Go. Can you imagine Reggie coming down the hallway? Go, Reggie, go, Reggie, go, go, go. He don't need that. He needs somebody when he has to deal with a situation like he dealt with last Wednesday night. He needs a godly man to say, Reggie, in that situation, when you have to leave your classroom, you call me and let me plug into that situation or let me help you. What can I do? Some of you with that question mark say, Reggie, what can I do to serve and be a part of youth ministry? Because that may be indicative of a call on your life. There are no cheerleaders. There are no cheerleaders in the church. They're all players. You know, I thought about this. I wrote it down. Let me illustrate. You may only go out to punt. You ever notice a punter? The guy who punts the ball? He punts when? Well, let's put it. The the punter's not the quarterback. He's not the fullback. He's not a receiver. He's not a linebacker. He's not... Listen... The punter is not any of those things. But let me tell you what the punter is. The punter is the individual who at a critical moment when the team desperately needs him, he steps in and carries out an act of service for the rest of the team. In fact, I wrote this down. Anybody know Ray Guy? Ray Guy was a graduate of Southern Mississippi. Southern Miss. And Ray Guy is the first punter to go in to the Football Hall of Fame. But I wrote this down about Ray. Ray Guy was the only man that hit the top of the Superdome. But I wrote this down. One good kick can put the opponent's back against his own end zone. And in other words, the kicker, a single player in a single act in a game can completely turn the game in the favor of his team. Ray Guy was the one who, when he kicked, John Madden said this. John Madden, the great coach. He said, when they brought this boy from Mississippi, he said, the scouts had said, you're not going to believe this guy. (laughs) Ray Guy. And so here's John Madden, the coach of the Oakland Raiders. And Madden said all of a sudden, he said, Ray Guy, somebody hiked Ray Guy the ball. And he said, Ray Guy kicked that ball. And he said, it, it, it just looked like it hung there for the longest. In fact, today in the sports world, and I need everybody to sit down and listen. Today in the sports world, they use this terminology, hang time. And you know what hang time means? It means that you've got a kicker who literally hangs the ball up there in the air almost... In fact, let me tell you what happened. And I'm having to chew gum because I'm battling with a cough still. Ray Guy would hang the ball so long. Like I said, he hit the Superdome top of the Superdome. He would hang the ball up there so long that the players could actually get down there and wait for the guy to catch the ball. That's good. You may say, Brother Jeff, 
You mean to tell me? I mean to tell you this. Your one act of service may make all the difference in the world. And you may say, well, it's not much. My friend, let me tell you something. If you would commit today to some act of service, it might revolutionize this church. Let me, let me walk you through the structure and just read it out to you. Our Sunday school, our 9 o'clock Bible study, the director of our Sunday school is Irene Hughes. The adult teacher, senior adult teacher, Irene Hughes. Does everybody, raise your hand if you know Irene. Would you raise your hand if you know Irene? For the rest of you that didn't raise your hand, Irene, can I put you on the spot? Could you stand up and step out into the, into the aisle there? I'm talking to Irene, the, guy, the lady behind you there. Would you just take a moment and would you look at this woman who's been a member of this church? How long have you been a member of this church, Irene? 1957. Some of mathematicians figure that out. What's it, about 50 years? What is that? Huh? 58 years and about 60 years? Okay. So, Irene, you've been a member nearly 60 years. Have you always served? Okay. Irene, do you feel like serving? Do you? Okay. Okay. Irene, I'm going I'm to make you mad. Do you have health issues? Do they keep you from serving? Okay. Okay. Let's give a saint of God a round of applause. And you... Okay, you can be seated. Irene, you can be seated. What I'm here to tell you is, some of you may say, well, you know, I've got an excuse. No, let me tell you what Irene does. Irene is in the body of believers to remind all of us, none of us have an excuse not to serve. We're all needed. Let me ask you something. Anybody got somebody in heaven? I do. Grandmother, mom. You know what amazes me? Some of you, I've, I've buried your parents. Some of you, I've buried your spouses. Some of you, I've buried your children. Some of you, I've buried, listen, I've buried people that you love dearly. I've been with you, walked through that. Do you know what Hebrews says? Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, seeing that we are encompassed by this great cloud of witnesses. He's, he's been talking about the heroes of the faith in chapter 11. In chapter 12, he says, listen, since we are encompassed by this great cloud of witnesses. Let me tell you, I don't believe it is just Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I believe it's my grandmother. I believe it's my mama. I believe it's the people that love me. And let me tell you what they're doing. You know what they're doing? They're hanging over the banister of heaven envying us because we still have the capacity to serve and they're thinking, man, they're clapping and rooting us on. 
when they see us on our knees sorting people's secondhand clothing, when they see us taking a sack lunch and giving it to a homeless man, when they see us helping somebody be set free of an addiction and a stronghold in their life. I don't understand for some of you in this room who have lost loved ones, who modeled that Christ-like life before you, why you are not serving. So what do we write? Real quickly, Irene, senior adult teacher, co-ed teacher, Dwayne Mohorder, men's teacher, myself, Brother Jeff, women's teacher, Sheila, college and career, Ledge, youth, Reggie, children's director, we don't have one. Everybody look this way. By the age of 14, the probability of people coming to Christ goes from about 80 to 85% to about 15 to 20% likelihood. If the seed of the gospel is not planted in young people, while they're impressionable and teachable, there comes a day when they get hardened by their peers and by society and they turn a deaf ear to the gospel. We have a narrow window of opportunity and we can't get enough teachers here to teach. Some of you don't care. But what if it's your child? Haley has been a godsend because Haley inherited a children's department that was just, and a children's ministry that was just dumped in her lap. And Haley has done a tremendous job. But you know what, Haley? You know what I told Haley this week? We stood out here by the sidewalk Wednesday night. I said, Haley, and I brought up children's ministry. And Haley, immediately, you could see the guilt. Listen, Brother Jeff, I don't mind stepping in. I'll do what I can to help. I said, Haley, forget that. I said, Haley, pretend Jesus Christ is standing here. And Jesus were to look at you and say, Haley, where is your heart? Haley said, my heart, my heart is with babies. My heart is with the nursery. That's what I feel called to do. And I said, that's what you will do. You are relieved from all your other duties. We're not asking you to do something that you don't feel called to do. But what we are asking you to do is step up an act of service. Extended session. Do you know how we get extended session workers? You know... Jack their elbow up behind them, throw a big guilt trip on them, and say, you know, we need some help now in an extended session. No, no, don't let me go. And the reality is there's some in this room that have never served at all in extended session. Let me remind you again of what they're doing in heaven when you and I are in extended session holding a two, three-year-old or we're down there providing some quality Bible study. We're not talking about babysitting. We're talking about you getting down there with a three-year-old and telling them the story of David and Goliath. Let me tell you what they're doing in heaven. We didn't need worship this morning. We needed to remember something. The act of worship is not simply singing 
and lifting hands and praising the Lord. The act of worship is also going down an extended session and getting snot smeared all over the back of your outfit and going home and changing clothes and rejoicing that God allowed you to worship by being an extended session. Mark Bowman. Mark Bowman is a massive man in a lot of ways. Mark Bowman came through a painful divorce. Mark Bowman's life was was at a critical point in his life, and he shares this in his testimony. This church wrapped our arms around him, and we looked at this big guy who was coming through a divorce and who had had two teenage daughters who lived next door in this house. We asked Mark Bowman, what has God called you to do? And Mark Bowman said, God has called me to love kids. And I tell you what, between he and Ledge, we found out something big, massive man. Men are very much needed to love kids. Some of you men don't wait on the ladies to step into the children's department extended session or in in the nursery, you need to step up and be what God's called you to be. And I'm asking for a volunteer. You can just say once a month, once a quarter, I'll do it once a year. And anything would be a help. So we need a children's director. We've got two teachers, Bell and Janice. That's not enough. We need another teacher. We've got Courtney, and Courtney needs to get a purple heart and probably will when she gets to heaven. We've got some people that are constantly in the nursery taking care of the babies because you're not. And that's not right. Wednesday night, we've got Jerry and Marge. Hey, excuse? What time do you get up, Marge, you and Jerry? What time do you get up, Marge, in the morning? On Wednesday morning? Say it real loud. Three, three a.m., right? Three a.m. Twelve hours later, after being up from three a.m. and working all day, I see her pulling up out here, unloading the groceries to go down and fix soup and to get the soup ready to serve you a soup meal. I gotta work. Brother Jeff, I, I got an eight. To, I work from eight to five. <laughs> My wife is up probably about five something in the morning. She works and manages a dental office, and she also mops and sweeps and cleans that dental office to make a little extra income so that we can be the pastor and wife of this church. I don't think that Eric and Ledge were excited about being in a room with farty little boys in some ways, but let me tell you what heaven was doing. I teach a Bible class in here. I got the easiest job on Wednesday nights. Reggie, again, along with the team, Tamara, Marika, Richard, and volunteers, teaches our youth ministry. Children, one and two, boys and girls, boys grades three and four, girls grades three through six. We have people that step in, Jana being one of them. If you're waiting to get paid, let me tell you how much Jana gets paid for stepping in from everywhere up here to wherever she's needed. She gets paid nothing. 
I often will look at Jana sometimes and I'll say, Jana, when I get to heaven and, I, and I'm, making, I'm, I'm going on the tour, John the Beloved, Peter, some of them, I know this is stretching it, but I'm taking a tour of heaven. I'm going to go, wow, Lord, I didn't know they had a shopping mall up here. And the Lord's going to say, oh, no, no, let me come a little closer. And it's going to be Jana Whitehead Estate. She's been sending up a lot of building supplies in heaven. And some of you, some of you have been God's gift. You know, it's always scary, but I think about Stan Lewis when he came here, Phoebe clinging to his leg and him coming here from Pine Lake and feeling a sense of God calling him to be a part of the building and grounds and to help us begin to improve our facility. And God said, I like this guy. And he says, I tell you what, the one thing he needs is somebody to help him. Hey, there's somebody over in Morrison Heights named Heidi. You know, sometimes God will bring alongside of you somebody to help you in your ministry. Well, I think about Janice McBride. And Janice is not here. That's unusual. She's downstairs. Oh. Janice McBride is a Christian Tasmanian devil. <laughs> Janice McBride is the person that you want to clone. She's the one that you want to get into the ministerial lab and you want to, take, you want to gra- grab a toenail when she's not looking or something and grow it into a bunch of Janice McBrides because Janice McBride, and I've been here 19 years, the 1st of December, Janice McBride in the whole 19 years that I've been here has just continually done her acts of service week in and week out. And when most of us are driving off on Wednesday nights, Janice McBride is out here taking care of the flower beds after teaching preschoolers down here. And heaven is going... Now, what about you? What would God... What would God have you to do? What role would he have you to play? In a moment, we're going to stand up. And we're going to go into a time of prayer. And as we pray, I'm going to ask certain people to gravitate over toward the connect section. Because see, I'm not, we're not going to dismiss like we normally do and wait and hope you might come over there. And if you're here today and you say, there's something in my hand that God has not called me to do, then I give you permission to scratch that out and put what God's called you to do and do that. Now, I'm not asking for all of you to be an act of service a week, but I am act- asking you to carry out some act of service in some way, some shape, some form, some fashion. It may be that you say to Alan, Alan, I'm I'm scared. I've never done anything before, but I'll come once a month and help you and celebrate recovery wherever you need me. It may be that you say to Irene, Irene, I'm not a teacher. I've never taught. I don't know how to teach, but I tell you what I'll be. 
I'll be an emergency. I'll be a floater. I'll be the individual that Irene, if you need somebody to assist or you need somebody to do this, then Irene, I'll I'll serve. Let me tell you what I'd love to see. I would love to see some volunteers who would give our mainline teachers an opportunity periodically to step out of that teaching in the children and preschool department and occasionally attend a Bible study up here upstairs at 9 o'clock. So if we had a pool of volunteers and you said, listen, I'll be a floater and I'll give them a break every once in a while. Or you're willing to serve in a team, whatever that may be. Sunday school, Bible study. Wednesday night, I'll I'll do, hey, I can't be here every Wednesday night, but I know I'll be here this Wednesday night or this or whatever it may be. I'm asking every one of you to pray about an act of service either once a month or once a week. Now we're going to stand. I want you to stand. I'm going to ask Alan, who's uh, now kind of helping with Junior. I'm going to ask Alan. I'm going to ask Irene. Irene, I'm going to ask you if you would to start moving toward the connect area. Um, I'm going to ask Reggie, if he would, to be here at the front. I'm going to ask Ledge to come and to stand here at the front. A couple of our guys will be here at the front. I'm going to ask that nobody leave outside of Junior. He gets special permission. I'm going to ask you to pray. If it's celebrate recovery, then you see Alan once a month. If it's in our help and humanitarian food pantry clothing closet, Belle, I want you to go over there and stand by that that, uh, beam over there, there by Connect. You'll see Belle. You'll say, Belle, I'll help with the clothing. Belle, I'll, I'll help with food pantry. I'll help you get it organized. I've put the word out. Hopefully we're going to have some food coming in. Whatever that place of service may be, and if it's only once a month, I want to ask you today to write it in your hand. Now let me say this, and then we'll pray. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now listen closely. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. If if you were about to be shot and killed in the parking lot, and I stepped and took, took the bullet for you, you would say, wow, Brother Jeff loves me. But if I did that for somebody who hated me, who was spitting on me, who was mistreating me, you would be amazed at the character of your pastor. I don't think I'm that good, and I'm not there yet. Jesus Christ, in His hands and His feet, paid the supreme sacrifice. And let me tell you a scar that will be in heaven the scars of Calvary and the supreme act of service. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. 
There is no other name under heaven by which men and women, boys and girls can be saved. And Lord, we realize first of all that you do not ask us to be servants until we're first children. And so we pray, dear Lord, if there's a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, who is in this room and your Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart right now, convicting them of sin, drawing them to you, and saying today, right now, this is the time. I pray, dear Lord, for that man, that woman, that boy, that girl, who in this moment feels your Holy Spirit speaking to their heart, and asking to come in. The gentle knock of our Lord on the door of the heart, saying, let me in. And I pray, dear Lord, if there's one here that does not know you and they're not a Christian, I pray in the name of Jesus that right now they will just come before you and say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me and to come and live in my heart right now. I pray, dear Lord, for that one person, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl, who prays that prayer and they mean it, that they would come even now and say to Ledge, would say to Reggie, I prayed that prayer. I asked Jesus to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sin and be the Lord and the Savior. If they need somebody to come with them, they'll lean over and say, will you go with me? And they'll make it public. There are others in this room who need to plant their life here. They need to be that servant. They need to identify with a local church and you're calling them to identify with this church. There are others in this room who God right now, you're speaking to their heart and you're calling them to some place of service, whatever that may be. I pray, dear Lord, that they would be obedient. And whatever that act of service may be, even once a month, even if it's only once a, once a month, that they would commit to that, to say to Alan, to say to Irene, to say to somebody that first Sunday, that first Wednesday of each month, that they might say to extended session. That they may say, Irene, I'll be a part of extended session. That they would be committed to make some step today Lord, if they're unsure, that they would just simply come to this altar and they would say, Lord, I don't know yet what that may be. And some may remain in their pew. But I pray, dear Lord, that even now that you would clarify what that act of service will be and they'll commit to that. Some need to commit and be faithful to the coming together of this body of believers. This spasmodic attendance needs to stop. The times are desperate in this nation and in this world. It is no time to be uncommitted. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. And in your name do we pray. Amen.